Welcome to the Panic Attack Recovery Podcast, an ongoing source of practical strategies and tips for anxiety and ADHD. We're a collaboration of former sufferers helping those currently struggling with anxiety, panic attacks, and ADHD so they can express their true competencies in life. Now, here is Matthew, your host. In this episode, I would like to talk about how I and others who I've spoken with in the panic attack recovery community often worry about the little things. What I'm talking about is a tendency to worry about little things that other people wouldn't even, you know, pay much attention to. And most people would say, well, you just really need to get a perspective on things. And then those things aren't really that big of a deal. But it's not that easy because with the tendency of being anxious, it's really more of a trait that we have often as anxiety sufferers to worry about the small things. It doesn't mean that we don't worry about the big things as well. But what I'm really trying to convey here is there's a tendency often to worry about the little things at the same level as a big thing. Now, someone who doesn't suffer from anxiety cannot appreciate these differences. In my opinion, one has to look at what is driving anxiety as biochemical, whether one believes that it is strictly caused by biochemistry. There is definitely biochemistry involved. You wouldn't tell a diabetic that they should be able to just deal with a little bit of extra sugar in their diet. In other words, that they just need to learn to deal with it. Yet, when someone is prone to anxious thinking, that is precisely what many people tell them. The advice is to get some perspective. Look at how bad it can be for some people and then feel better about your life is what many people advise the anxiety sufferer. In other words, they'll say things like, oh, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. All of this is completely useless advice for the true anxiety-prone person. Anxiety and stress is a reality of life to a certain extent. The difference whether it dominates your life in an impairing way is what I'm really talking about here. I'm talking about those people who are anxious, and many of us have an anxious trait in our personality that makes us stress over small things on a regular basis, but in a way that can be impairing our life. It can be preventing us from doing things, but it can also be just interfering with our daily thinking our daily enjoyment, our daily involvement with others, and how effective we can be in day-to-day life in sometimes the most basic and simple tasks. The reason I say this is if your brain sets off a series of biochemical reactions when you become anxious, which is the physiological process that unfolds when we become anxious, our thinking is very clouded and affected. We don't think straight. We don't think properly. That means that Decisions over even basic things can be affected dramatically when we're anxious. So if you think about it, if you're anxious on a regular basis, your thinking is often clouded. And again, the advice to people who don't suffer from anxiety would be to, you know, just calm down. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Learn to deal with it. Look at how bad it can be for others. And then automatically the thinking is that you can feel better about your life and not stress about things because some people they really have it tough. But again, I like the analogy of a diabetic or someone suffering from a chronic illness where they can't just take a little extra sugar in their diet or go off their insulin for a while if they have type 2 diabetes and are using insulin because that would be very detrimental to their health. Yet for the anxiety sufferer, which is truly a biochemical process, we say, oh, well, you know, just get some perspective. Don't worry about it. But I think we need to dig a bit more deeply into what biochemical really means. I'm not suggesting that the complete cure to your anxiety 
or your stress is going to be in the form of a pill. I'm also not coming out against medication appropriately prescribed for anxiety. What I'm really saying is whether you believe that it's a biochemical process that creates anxiety and panic and stress in your life, or whether you think stressful situations in your environment, your upbringing, your socialization affect your biochemistry, I think something we can't get away from is that it's biochemical reactions in your body that are happening. So whether or not our thinking causes our biochemical reactions or our biochemical reactions cause our thinking, I think either way it's a biochemical problem. And the reason I keep going on and on about biochemical problem here is that many people think it's just your thinking. It's just something that you were thinking about. And if you just straighten out the thinking, you get a better perspective, in other words, then your anxiety subsides. But what I'm really trying to impress upon you is there is a tendency for many anxiety sufferers to be worried about the small things, just like they are worried about the big things. And I believe it is a biochemical process that happens. It's the way that we're wired, so to speak. Now, I'm not speaking for everyone who suffers anxiety, but I'm talking about what I believe is a good chunk of those who suffer from anxiety. There is a tendency to be anxious in your personality. And if we think of it as biochemistry, we don't fight it as much. We accept it. And when we accept that challenge of thinking about the small things, of it being biochemical, being biochemically driven, then I think we are much more open to solutions, to accommodations, to adjustments, to techniques we can carry out on a regular basis, opposed to just saying, you know, get a grip, don't worry about it, it's no big deal, look at how bad other people have it, and then you'll automatically feel better about yourself. Now, these techniques about get a grip, get some perspective, um, look at how badly life is, look at how bad life is for other people, these work for people who aren't anxiety prone. Um, sometimes, if it's just a lack of perspective. So let's say you have somebody who um, is making a really big deal out of a small problem, and they don't have anxiety, they're just somebody who is making a big deal out of a problem. You can tell them to get a perspective and look at how other people have it. And then they might say, well, oh, yeah, I, I don't have it that bad. But that for the anxiety sufferer overlooks, as I said, a, a tendency that's innate in us that I think makes us worry about things. Now, I've, I've struggled with people who say, well, you know, what about, you know, recovering from panic attacks, anxiety, agoraphobia? And I've always said, I believe everyone can recover from these things. But what I've never said is that we change our personality. And I think it's in our personality, in many cases, not all cases, where we have an anxious trait, a tendency to worry about the small things. And again, I'm not saying that you can't significantly help this trait or address the problems that it creates. But I think that it starts by admitting that you have this trait. You have this tendency to worry about the small things, and it happens on a regular basis. And the reason that I bring this up is it happens in so many situations. I just want to provide some examples. One example could be social situations. Maybe you're going to a party. Maybe you're going to another situation. Maybe you're going to the school to talk to your child's teacher, and all of a sudden you have anxiety coming back to you when you enter the school or you're worried about what they're going to say about your child, etc. Or maybe you're in a situation where you need to perform, such as athleticism or any competitive activity where you're competing with others. It could be for a job. It could be that there are 100 applicants to a position. It's a job you really would like to get, and you know that you're competing with others. That may make you very anxious. And that's not unnatural to be anxious when you're competing and have stress. 
But the difference is what we do with that stress when we're competing or when we're performing. Now, just before I talk about what we do with that stress, I want to talk about what is really interesting. It's an observation that I've noticed from a wide range of anxious people that I've spoken with over the years in the panic attack recovery community. Many people say things like, in the panic attack recovery community, many people talk to us and, and say things such as, I'm not competitive. I'm not a competitive person. I don't like competition. And I have to say, having experienced this myself, I would say that, that I've also said that I'm not competitive. But I think we really don't like the feeling of comparing ourselves to others because we might come up short in terms of our own self-evaluation. This is likely due to some self-esteem challenges. And at this point, I would just like to mention we have a whole video series on self-esteem. I would encourage you to check this out, and I think that you would find it very beneficial. You can get this from visiting our website at panicattackrecovery.com and signing up for our newsletter. Or you can simply go to our YouTube channel, Panic Attack Recovery. Just do a search of Panic Attack Recovery on YouTube, and you'll see a playlist called Self-Esteem. There are a series of videos that are dedicated to the topic of self-esteem because this is often a struggle. And why I'm bringing it up today is I think that self-esteem and comparing ourselves to others when we have a great difficulty with the idea of competition is often driven by self-esteem. So part of the solution to stress when we're having to compete is learning to look at self-esteem and learning to look at the challenges we have with self-esteem. And there are steps you can take to improve your self-esteem. I'm not talking about artificially inflating your self-esteem. I'm talking about authentic appreciation of yourself and your self-esteem. So I would encourage you to check out those videos as one solution. And I've given you two ways you can, you can do so. But today, suffice us to say, anxious people often say that they are not competitive. But don't for a second be taken by this and say, oh yes, I'm not competitive. I don't have to worry about those struggles with competition. But rather, start to look at your, your life as often because you're someone who maybe worries about small things, you're often comparing yourself to others in many situations in your daily life. And because of this, your stress in your daily life can involve a sort of competition and worry. But recognizing this and addressing self-esteem will really help you to not worry about the small things as much in many situations. However, I think there's much more help that we can offer an anxiety-prone person that I'm discussing in this episode to improve his or her life. I wanted to talk about an interesting documentary that I just watched. It was about Steven Spielberg, and the documentary is entitled Spielberg. And Spielberg in the documentary talks about anxiety in his life and how it's something he's experienced. Um, I think he uses the word more fear than anxiety. But um, certainly we can use those terms interchangeably. What is most interesting about what Spielberg has to say is that he says that anxiety actually makes his films better. If he is more anxious about a project and digging myself out, as he says, he does far better than if he wasn't. So what's the point here? Anxiety is something that is part of one's life. The anxiety about the small things will always be there. That is why it is key to convert it to something that improves one's life, such as creativity. So when we look at the example of Steven Spielberg, 
we see how he has created many great films and how anxiety has actually been a source of improvement, has been a fuel, so to speak, of that creativity to some extent and made his movies and films better. And I really want to impress upon you that rather than trying to eradicate this tendency of worry that the anxiety-prone person has, and I think many of us have, we can use it to our advantage and recognize that it has value. But again, I'm not saying one can't get over his or her panic attacks, panic disorder or agoraphobia, or severe anxiety. But what I'm talking about is that this lower level of anxiety that many anxiety sufferers continue to experience even after recovering from severe anxiety is something you don't have to have running your life. But I think if you are not aware of the fact that it's running in the background at some level, it will run your life. My attempt today in these podcasts is to give you some solutions. Uh, number one was self-esteem. And number two was to look at how anxiety can be a fuel for your creativity, or it can be at least converted to creative activities. And I, what I really want to impress upon you is not to worry if you don't think of yourself as a creative type. Don't think of yourself as an artist, a musician, a writer, etc. I'm not talking about just that type of creativity. Though the example I've given about Steven Spielberg might make you think that, that's not restricted to Steven Spielberg, that tendency. I believe that all of us have creative abilities that can be uh, set free if we learn to deal with our anxiety in appropriate ways. In the area of creativity, I will just say that we have also created a whole video series on creativity, which talks about how you can convert anxiety into something that improves your life. We would also encourage you to check this out. And again, this notion of creativity in this creativity series is for everyone, because I believe that in some way we are all creative or good at problem solving, or put another way, making a meaningful difference in the world, no matter how big or small. What I find really interesting, and I would encourage you to try the following, is go about your life for a week and start to notice the creative abilities in others. Start to directly see if you can see how people are good at problem solving, fixing things, coming up with solutions on the fly when they have to, or even just overall creating things. Um, look at the creative um, spirit that people have, the creative tendency that people have to create things, problem solve. And I think you'll be amazed at how creative many people are. And the point really here is to recognize that creativity exists in many forms. It could be somebody who's just very witty when you have a conversation with him or her. It can be a variety of expressions of creativity, and that's just the nature of creativity. It really is sort of unlimited in terms of its potential and in terms of its influence and in terms of how much it covers. Creativity can mean many things. A final point that I wish to talk about, and I would go back to the uh, documentary that I mentioned about Steven Spielberg, is Spielberg in the documentary talked about how between working on projects and films and whatnot, it was not very fun for him. The anxiety and stressful thoughts, again, I think he used the um, word thoughts and fear, would come back to him between projects. So, in other words, the constant chatter that interferes with your life through the form of sort of anxiety, perhaps about lower level things, is there. And often, a great way to deal with it is to do something productive and creative. And that's really what I'm getting at with creativity, 
is you can learn to displace the anxiety. But I think if you're not doing something productive or creative and you're not addressing your self-esteem and you're not looking at how anxiety can operate in the background as this low-level chatter, so to speak, then I think you're doing yourself a, a disservice because you're allowing something to run your life and you're not aware that you're doing so. But again, I just want to recap. Number one, it's really important to recognize that anxiety can operate in the background about things that may seem very minor. But over time, our anxiety can continue, especially if it's not noticed. Or we may just feel that we're down or we're somehow lethargic. It could be a form of anxiety at a low level just sort of wearing you down if you're not aware that this is happening. Moreover, by becoming aware of the fact that this anxiety can tend to operate for many people who are prone to anxiety in terms of their personality traits, you are in a position to do something about it. And once you bring awareness to this tendency, it starts to change immediately and lift. And life can start to improve. And secondly, look at your self-esteem. I would encourage you to check out our series on self-esteem and really consider whether there may be some self-esteem issues. And again, self-esteem is not referring to artificially pumping up your self-esteem, you know, sort of that rah, rah, rah. This is much more. This is looking at self-esteem in a very practical way, but in a way where you can authentically be comfortable with yourself and okay with yourself. And when you have that comfort level, you don't tend to compare yourself to others and have that constant chatter of anxiety nearly as often. And number three, consider our series on creativity as well. Again, another video series, just like self-esteem, but this time on creativity. And this discusses the notion that if you keep yourself productive and busy creating things, then it displaces this low level of anxious chatter that tends to operate in our minds sometimes when we're not working on something productive. And again, please keep in mind when I mention creativity, I believe that creativity can apply to everyone, not just people who are artists, musicians, what have you, but everyone. All of us have this innate creative ability that if turned on can make us feel good about what we accomplish, but can also convert our anxiety into something very meaningful. Maybe that tendency to stress and uh, to worry can be converted into high quality work. But that is a much healthier way to deal with the anxiety rather than just having it operate your life. Thank you for listening to the Panic Attack Recovery Podcast. Make sure that you have subscribed to our podcast and please comment and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All show notes and links are accessible from our website. Please visit our site and subscribe to our free newsletter at panicattackrecovery.com. All information has been provided for educational purposes. Please consult a healthcare professional about any disorder or condition and the applicability of any information provided in this podcast.